Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's show. I am your host, Zach Drew. Listen, now, if you're watching on social media, you might be catching this the last day or two of October, but for the vast majority of our audience watching on Comcast, Cable, or DirecTV, you're checking us out uh, first week of November, the first even maybe couple of days of November. But what that means is that we are in the final stretch of the year, and like every year, it is fundraising time. So there's gonna be a, a section on the top of every show that's gonna be dedicated to our fundraising needs and our goals and our progress of what we need to accomplish between now and the end of the year. Once again, uh, this is a always uh, a stressful time for Zach Drew, um, and the God, and God has been faithful every year. And I just there's just something about it, and I just need to have total faith in God that once again, like these last four years we've been doing this, a miracle takes place every fundraising season. Um, we are believing God between now and the end of the year for all of our fundraising needs and our and a, and a couple of our future projects. The number for this year that we need to raise is $62,000. So, you know, last year, it's a lot less. Last year it was, uh, well, maybe the year before now, it was closer to 100,000. So we've been able to, to minimize some things. We've negotiated with our current contracts for the networks and we've boiled it down to, we need to raise $62,000, which is an incredible amount of money. Um, and just so you know, uh, this will pay for all of our TV airtime um, that that we still need to raise. The, the, the remaining amount that we need to raise is 62,000. And how we do it is we pay for all of our airtime upfront for the entire year all at one time, and that is uh, WHT, World Harvest Television, which we broadcast every single Saturday night, prime time, coast to coast, like I said, on DirecTV. That is our, the big, you know, breadwinner, if you, you know, if you like. So, and we also uh, are going to uh, continue our contract on PTL, which is in around 15 million households through select markets, uh, in major cities throughout the U.S. on Comcast Cable. We are going to increase our coverage all throughout the state of Illinois through TLN, Total Living Network. It's based out of Chicago. This will put us, uh, if you have Comcast Cable in all of Illinois, you'll be able to watch our show every Monday evening, 10.30 p.m. And it's right after our lead-in, they call it, is awesome. It's our friends at Skywatch TV. I just did a big uh, seminar for their for their fall conference. We love everybody at Skywatch TV. And that's our lead-in. So really great time slot. These are the things that we're raising money for. And we're also going to be raising money. We need to set up. And once we raise the money for it, uh, it's not like, uh, this next time I'm about ready to say, it's not like, well, you know, it'll take two or three months to set up. Once we raise the money for it, we will be able to do this literally within two weeks. We need to set up a call center. It will be a 24 hour a day, seven day a week, uh, 1-800 number that you can call and talk to somebody physically on the phone. You can, um, they will, they will be able to pray with you. Uh, you'll also be able to give through the online or the 1-800 the number as well as order any of our products. It's really important. I've been reading lots of stats and uh, uh, that is apparently what we have needed to do for a long time, but it costs money. And we're also, we need to raise in there, uh, it's uh, a couple thousand dollars or so for 
some updates for our equipment. One of them is incredibly pressing. As you can tell, Andrew Bellers is not here today. And why is that? That is because this morning, as I was walking to the studio with my mic, it got caught on a camera and it literally broke the microphone. So we're gonna have to put an order in no matter what today so that Andrew Bellers can be on the show again by next week. But once again, we don't just broadcast on social media or even in a, in a church setting. Syndicated television is totally different equipment, totally different everything. And so the microphones by themselves are a couple thousand dollars for the type of mics that we need for syndicated television. I am praying for a miracle. Please get involved. Please pray about giving. And, and uh, we're going to read your names whenever you give. Make sure that whenever you do give, you let us know it's for all of our fundraising, fundraising goals for the 2023 year. And I am praying that God would move on a few people's hearts that maybe you want to give a gift of even $5,000 and say, hey, I want to match the next 5,000 or 10,000 or my gosh, if there's someone out there that says, hey, you know what? I'm gonna give half of your fundraising goals and everything from this point forward, I wanna match it. Pray about being just a generous giver for this time. You know, collectively, uh, all of our videos combined, there is a couple hundred thousand people that will watch our show throughout the year. And think about the things that we talk about. You know, these are the type of things that you give to, and I know it's a struggle. I know what the economy is right now, what it's like, and giving is down. With the average retirement fund, even down 20 to 25%, uh, ministries throughout the country are hurting, and we are not um, uh, different than any of those. So please pray and give a sacrificial gift during this season. Uh, you can just, you can write, uh, you can give a donation, write a check to IGBY, which stands for I Go Before You, or you can write the Zach Drew Show, it doesn't matter, um, and send it to P.O. Box 797, Decatur, Illinois 62525. You can also go online um, to ZachDrewShow.com, click the bright orange donate button, and give a gift there through either PayPal or a, a Christian service called Tithely. Please get involved. I am praying for, once again, another miracle. We need to raise $62,000 for our for our goals between now and the end of the year. Um, listen, let's get on with the show. I, I read about what's happening in America all the time. This is what I do for a living. Then I, talk, I think about how does it correlate to the Word of God. And I read things about the, the intense border crisis. I read things about you know COVID-19 and even just how America has been destroyed through the COVID-19. I, I read about the economy and and the, the crisis, you know, the recession, the, the possible coming depression. I, I read about the, the coming rolling blackouts and the, the energy crisis, uh, the, the perversion in America, and, and even how America, with each passing decade, is becoming darker spiritually. And for those of you that, that love the Lord, that are, that, that, that are in your word, that understand the times that we're living in, that's no surprise to, to you. I'm not saying anything. You understand that. You, you fully grip the reality that each passing decade, America is becoming darker spiritually. So uh, what I want to ask you is, what is it that has caused and is causing America's decline? Is it the Marxists? You know, was it a, a part, you know, could it be attributed to the, even things like the sexual revolution or the destructive philosophies like critical race theory? Uh, was that the trigger point? 
is it the general acceptance of of postmodernism that that you know that truth is fluid and ever changing you know just like our gender that two plus two might not equal four today you know that there is no absolute truth is it Hollywood is it contributing to the decline or is that the cause of it even the entertainment industry or is it the liberal academic world you know evangelizing the next generation of leaders is it our school system and what they're teaching the kids even even in kindergarten through through their, you know, high school. What is it? What is it that has caused America's decline? Is it these things? No, it's not. Those things are just the product of the real problem. They're the, they're the fruit, the source of the problem for America's decline and the, and the growing darkness that is covering our country. The source is our pulpits. And I, and I don't just, and I have historical proof of this. It is our weak pulpits. America has always went in the direction that the pulpits were facing in America. A weak pulpit equals weak people and a weak America. That is where we're at. I think about it like this. It's not these things, we don't blame the Marxists. No, it's the church. It's the body of Christ. And from there, it comes from the shepherds, the pulpit, the ministers that have become weak. Our problem isn't, my gosh, I just wish that the, that the world would, would repent of their sin, their wickedness, these, these awful things that they're doing, that they promote, the policies, the, the things that are contributing to, to America's falling. They would just change their mind that God would intervene. No, that's historically not how, think about 2 Chronicles 7, 14. What does it say? It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then God says, I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I will touch their country. I will restore what the canker worm has come and destroyed. But where does it lie? It does not lie within the corrupt politicians and saying they're so evil, they're so bad. They need to repent of their wickedness. No, the problem lies within the body of Christ. And more specifically, it lies with the shepherds. It lies with the pastors. It lies with the weak pulpits. I'm going to say it again. Historically speaking, in America, America has always went in the direction that the pulpits were facing. It is my people who are called by my name. It starts with them and it ends with them. If we want to see radical change in this country, we've got to see radical change in the church. That is where we're at. And I believe also the answer, and I don't even know if we're going to get to it today, I hope we can, that it just answers it so specifically and so detailed. It's just like, it's like I'm reading America's history for the first 150 years up until now is Deuteronomy 28. You see, our nation's guiding ethos is no longer that of our founding fathers and what they proclaimed. Quote, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look who said that. Patrick Henry, John Jay, a founding father, and our very first Chief Justice, 
This is what he had to say. Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. There has been such a tactic from its the foundation is postmodernism, which then the deconstructionists can come in and challenge what we have known to be true. Once they can start altering that, that's whenever another group of people called the revisionists can come in and rewrite a new history. There is so much that I've even been learning about recently that I love history. I loved history even in school and certain things I've literally just have never heard before because the revisionists have come in and have, have made sure that it's out of print even that the books that were even published, the things that the founding fathers said, I'm not going to get into it today, but people are always talking about even how, you know, George Washington wasn't a Christian, he was a deist. That is completely false. I believe it even was even became widespread. It was either in the 30s or 40s with, with uh, a professor that wrote a book all about George Washington's life, and, and they, they omitted um, memoirs. They omitted letters. They omitted so many things. They, they omitted personal testimony of what people had to say about George Washington because they've got to remove, they have to remove the Christian element from our founding. That's, that's their main goal. They have to remove the Christian element. And they can do that because of the weak pulpits. And Christians, pa Christian pastors throughout American history, were not only students of the word, did not ever, you know, back away from the hard truths in the Bible, the ones that can sometimes be offensive, but they're also students of history. They understood, they paired it with one another. Throughout American history, in points of, of, of great uh, turmoil, of challenge, it was often pastors that rose to the occasion, that entered into the civil arena, the majority of our uh, founding fathers that signed the Declaration of Independence, the majority of them were actually ordained ministers. John Adams said this, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. It was actually Adams in 1816 uh, when giving a list of who was most responsible for independence in America, uh, he went through and said this, quote, well, you've got the Reverend Dr. Samuel Cooper, who's uh, uh, incredibly responsible for you know independence and talked about how you've got the Reverend Jonathan Mayhew, there's George Whitfield, there's Reverend Charles. Did you know that the British knew this quite well as well? That it was the pastors? I'm sure you've heard of the Black Robe Regiment. It was the name that the British actually placed on the bold pastors during the American Revolution. And, and it was referencing, you know, the black robes that the ministers wore in that day. Britain even said that this is so powerful that if it hadn't been for the preachers, that Black Robe Regiment, America would still be a happy British colony. Did you know that even to hold office in most states before the ratific uh, ratification of the Constitution, that you actually had to be a Christian to hold public office? 
you know, every state had a constitution. To, you know, attend a constitutional convention, a delegate had to be elected. And to hold office in most states, you had to subscribe in most cases to a religious test. America was founded on nothing else but Christian principles on the word of God. In 1776, Constitution of Delaware, Article 22 says this, Every person who shall be chosen a member of either house or appointed to any office or place of trust before taking his seat or entering upon the execution of his office, office shall take the following oath or affirmation if conscientiously scrupulous of taking oath to wit. And it says this, quote, I, first and last name, do profess faith in God the Father and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, and in the Holy Ghost, one God, blessed forevermore. And I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. And all officers shall also take an oath of office. This is literally what they would have to say to even hold a public office in Delaware. And this was not abnormal. Most of the time, you had to pass a religious system to say, hey, I am a Christian, if you wanted to rule in any capacity in this great country. Did you know that a, there was a book that was called the New England Primer? It was used in grade schools for almost 150 years. It contained prayers and creeds and Bible verses that children had to memorize. They had to memorize uh, an acrostic of the entire alphabet where every letter represented a Bible verse. <coughs> Unbelievable. You know, they took the Bible out of school and, and, and in the early 60s. And I'm not going to get into it today, but my goodness, if you read some of the early quotes of the Founding Fathers, especially like Benjamin Rush, I don't know even the word. They were just, I don't know if it would be, just, I mean, so passionate. Like, I, I imagine when I read these things that they were almost red-faced, that so zealous of the moment we take the Bibles out of school, we will have failed at this American experiment. The moment we stop teaching children the Bible within schools, we have failed. America will be doomed. And these quotes are just unbelievable. At one point in time, uh, there was a, it was a Supreme Court uh, ruling that uh, if they were talking about, can we, you know, have Bibles in schools? Um, and they voted on it, that if your school did not teach, and this, I think it was sometime in the 1800s, I'm not sure, I didn't have this in my format, 1800s, that if you didn't teach the Bible in school, that you would not receive any federal funding. And at that time, there was eight justices, and they voted on it eight to zero, eight to zero, both parties, eight to zero, that if you don't teach the Bible, you're not going to get a dollar from the federal government. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So whenever we read about what's happening in America, it is because we have left the way of God. In Deuteronomy 28, and we're going to get to it, I really hope. Oh, my goodness. Andrew, I'm 20 minutes into the show. We talked about this before the show. We always have about two or three shows of content prepared, and we always get to one of them. Um, but then, but also, just so you know, if this, if everything just absolutely took off, and and 
you know, the income was always there, we would be able to produce a lot more shows every week. And that's our goal. That's our goal to truly actually produce a network. That's what we want. A 24-hour, seven-day week network, uh, online network where we have content all day long. And that's even why this is called the Zach Drew Show. But whenever I established this in 2018, I wanted everything to be under the covering of IGBY, which is the promise that God gave to Joshua and Moses, that I will go before you and also be with you as they were leading a wandering generation into what the Lord had promised, right? And so one day, I believe the network will be called IGBY, and the Zach Drew Show will literally just be one of the names that of, of the many shows that are broadcast from it. That's our that's our vision. I believe that we are heading in in in, in that place. But um, I want to talk about uh, Alexis de Tocqueville. So we have just come so far, and that is why in Deuteronomy twenty eight it talks about how if you follow the Lord, you're going to be blessed in fourteen verses of what that will look like. I feel like I'm reading America's history, and then. It talks about if you forsake God and His Word and His commandments, the 54 curses. And I feel like I'm reading America today. It's unbelievable. And Alexis de Tocqueville, who the revisionists have attacked, he has said certain things whenever he came over here from France about what he encountered and what the culture was like, the Christian culture. And you have to dig for these quotes now um, because the, the, the biggest reprints of his work starting in the 1940s and they reprint what he came over here and documented, the entire sections of whenever he mentioned churches or God or faith are all omitted. So a lot of people think that the revisionists came in and started in the 80s or 90s and are really just taking, you know, our history and perverting it now. Oh, no, no, no. That I was just talking about this was from the 19, I think it was the 1930s. But, you know, our founding fathers actually even criticized um, the academic world in the early 1800s for their basically how they were trying to uh, change history even then. There's always been a satanic plan to get us away from America being a Christian nation. So Alexis de Tocqueville, so he was a, a 19th century French, you know, he was actually an aristocrat, and, and he had some really awesome things, some crucial things to tell us about the, the strengths and weaknesses of American democracy. So in, it was in 1831, um, and this was 40 years roughly, you know, after the Constitution was written. He came to America because it was like ever, the whole world was talking about it. The American experiment, as 40 years had passed, and, you know, it's working. And he came over here because he wanted to examine the prisons, actually, and the penitentiaries to bring back to France what, what he had learned because we were doing something so successful. And whenever he got here, he was totally taken aback. He ended up staying for months and months on end, just marveling at American democracy. So after he returned to France, he wrote what the, you know, even the amateur historian is familiar with, a classic two-volume work called Democracy in America. And one of the things that he said in that, it's so important, and it's a quote, put it on the screen, he said this, Upon my arrival in the United States, the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention. Wasn't even coming here for any of those reasons. And as soon as he got off the boat, it was the first thing 
that struck his attention, he says. And the longer I stayed there, the more I perceived the great political consequences of even such a, you know, a type of government. Great political consequences. What was he talking about? He came and marveled at America's government being ruled by we the people. So understand that this was one of the first time, this was actually the first time successfully, successfully, that a government was ruled by the people. There wasn't a monarch. There wasn't, you know, there was not a king. But they under, he understood that for a people to have such liberty, such freedom, apart from a king, what could rule them? What could keep them tame, if you will? The un, they understood, the Founding Fathers understood for us as Americans to govern ourselves, we would fail. The American experiment would fail if we weren't first governed within by God. And Alexis de Tocqueville, in his months here, he understood that. This is a quote, powerful. He said, despotism, which is uh, a type of government, you know, it's, it's in, you know, absolute power is what, he says, despotism may govern without faith. All right? You don't need faith if you're living in a communist, you know, world dictator type of, you don't have to have faith because you don't need it. But, no, no, that's not what I mean, but understand what I'm about to already say. But liberty, freedom cannot. So despotism can govern. The government can govern without the people having faith. But where you have liberty, where you have people being free, no, you, you have to have faith for it to be successful. Because if you don't, then people are going to become a really you know, hard man of sin. And it's going to get wicked real quick real quick. Religion is much more necessary in the Republic. Once again, why? Because we govern ourselves. Religion is much more necessary in the Republic, which they set forth in glowing colors than in the monarchy which they attack. It is more needed in democratic republics than in any others. And here it is. This is what we're seeing. This is what we have seen in recent American history. How is it possible that society should escape destruction if the moral tie is not strengthened in proportion at the same time as the political tie is relaxed? What a powerful statement. How is it possible that a society should escape destruction? Meaning, if they throw off moral constraint, they are doomed to destruction. Because a people that govern themselves, throwing off moral strength, will end in nothing but ashes, being totally destroyed. And what can be done with the people who are their own masters if they are not submissive to the deity? And that is why, and we've talked about it on this show, the story of Ben Franklin is so important. In 1787, the Constitution was written. 100 days it took. In the last days of the, co the convention, outside of what is today known as Independence Hall, Mrs. Powell of Philadelphia came up to the doctor as he was walking out, and he said, Well, doctor, what have we got? A republic or a monarchy? And Ben Franklin 
shot back, and he said, A republic, madam, if you can keep it. That is so powerful. A republic, madam, but only if you can keep it. Only if you can continue to tie that and strengthen that moral tie in proportion to as the political tie is relaxed. The more freedom I give you, Miss Powell, the more you have to be governed by God or this is not going to work. And we are losing it. We're losing it. So what has happened to America? I'm gonna, there's a lot of stuff. We're, we're going to save this for next week. And we're going to get into what has happened in America since the pulpits have become weak and we have forgotten our history, the effects of it today, and what God says in Deuteronomy 28. And it is shocking. It is awesome. But we don't have time. Once again, this is our fundraising season. We have to raise $62,000 between the first of the year to continue all of our airtime. So please get involved. I'm asking you now, please get involved. Hey, we love you guys. We're going to buy this new equipment so Andrew can get back on the show next week. Um, I don't like doing the show without him. So I missed him. I know you guys missed him too. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.